of this week's show is how low can house prices go? With media reporting significant falls in house prices in both Melbourne and Sydney, what does the real data say? To answer this, we speak to a Finance Hour favourite, Tim Farrelly. Tim tells us where to go for reliable data on house prices and gives us his view as to how low they can go. We also discuss the implications for the banks of a housing price correction and tidal lending restrictions and why Tim still thinks that the banks will crank out good returns for investors over the long term. In Ruben's rant, I examine whether it's appropriate for the banks to look at your expenses line by line before giving you a loan. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Folks, it's Ruben here. Welcome to the Finance Hour, wherever you are listening, wherever you get your radio or podcast from. Could be Stitcher, could be iTunes, could be straight from the website. But wherever you are, thanks for listening. Uh, We're going to talk business and finance as per usual. And today on the show, I have Tim Farrelly, who is a favorite of the Finance Hour, to speak about investment markets but specifically to talk about the property market which is affecting everybody uh, there's lots of talk out there about big falls i want to get uh, tim's view on it also want to get his view on the banks i know i keep rattling on about the banks in this show and maybe you're getting bored of it but it's just so in the media all the time and it's so inextricably linked to the property market because what the banks are doing in terms of lending money is very, very connected with what the property market is going to do. So we're going to have a good chat about that. Um, I'm going to try not to talk too much about the Royal Commission, even though it's back on. I probably will anyway, because it is one of my favourite topics. Uh, But yeah, so with Tim, we might talk a bit about investment markets. So I should always give the warning, uh, you know, don't go ahead and try anything at home. Or if you do, it is purely at your own risk. Uh, don't come and blame me. Certainly don't sue Jair. If you heard the announcement before, they're not responsible for anything I say. And with this disclaimer, I'm not responsible for anything I say either. But you might want to keep Tim uh, responsible for what he says. I don't mind. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll have Tim on the line very quickly. But firstly, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant. Now, my rant this week is about the news that banks are going to be abandoning the household expenditure measure. So as a way of background on this, uh, when you apply for a home loan, you've got to give an estimate of your expenses. It used to be just a complete uh, work of fiction. You put, I don't know, three or $4,000 a month. They then introduced this household expenditure measure, which is a bit of a more scientific measure. It's based on average spending, depending on your family size. I'm not sure it depends on the suburb that you live in. It certainly would depend on the state that you live in. And they use that as a basis to work out what your uh, your borrowing capacity is. In other words, what your surplus cash flow might be to be able to pay loans back. But now, following the Royal Commission, the banks are saying one by one, no, we're going to abandon this uh, measure and what we're actually going to do is have to run off ex- precise figures of what you're spending. So that means going through your bank accounts, your credit statements line by line and working out exactly what you spend. Now look, I don't necessarily have such a problem per se with this. I mean obviously the you know the amount that you can pay on a loan should be relative to what 
your income is and what your spending is. But I just feel it's another step in this uh, direction of people not taking responsibility for the amount that they borrow. And it's up to the banks to actually assess line by line what your expenses are. I don't feel that should be the responsibility of the banks. You should disclose what you disclose. And, you know, I, I just feel like this is another move to the nanny state and people not taking responsibility for their own levels of debt. I also don't know that there is significant evidence uh, on a substantial scale that using that uh, HEM, that um, expenditure measure, has actually led to really poor outcomes. I know there have been some cases where people have lent more than they should, but that's going to happen any, anyway. So I don't know where the evidence is, apart from a few a few cases, but is that enough to actually change the laws? I don't think that it is. Okay, we're going to have a very quick break, and then we will have Tim Farrelly on the line to talk about uh, the property market, lending, and banks. Ruben's Rant. Welcome back to the Finance Hour. We've got Tim Farrelly on the line. Tim, are you there? Yes, Ruben. Good to talk to you again. Excellent. Great to have you on. Tim, for those of you who don't know, he's a Finance Hour favourite. Uh, we've recorded everything he said before, and we're going to make sure he's accountable for everything he said oh, on this dear. show. <laughs> Just like I'm accountable, Tim. I, I give a disclaimer uh, for everything that I say on this show, but I don't give a disclaimer for you. So if you want to give oh, your disclaimer. You. That's very generous. <laughs> Tim, we're going to talk about banks and residential property markets because that's all the, all the talk these days. So I want to spend most of the time on the on the residential property stuff, but I just I can't help myself keep going back to the Royal Commission. And you've been on this show before talking about the banks and how you feel that the banks are generally in a in a relatively strong position. Uh, that, yes. but has your view changed? Absolutely not. Um, I, I think the banks are one extremely well capitalised. Mm-hmm. The, the interesting thing about the Royal Commission to mine is most of the worst behaviour came out of their financial planning units, Correct. which clearly have not been well run, and by and large they're getting rid of them. Yes. So that as a source of problem, uh, I think, starts to go. And, and I think in reality, for them, yes, they've paid some fines and they are fines are significant, but the biggest damage to them out of that part of their business has been reputational rather than in terms of substantial losses. Right. right. And so they get they, they pass that out and we're left with a lending business. That's right, which looks which like is it... home loan lending. Yeah. And as we'll touch on well now and later is home loan lending is an incredibly profitable and safe activity, mm. if done well. And as we saw in the United States, in particular, and the UK to a lesser extent, if done very badly, you can get into a lot of trouble. But if you do it well, and the Australian banks all do it well, from my perspective, it's really hard to lose money in that sector. Well, let's talk about doing it well, because I think the, uh, you know, the expectation of what doing it well is is changing, certainly from the regulators. Uh, in the past, you know, the way they assessed loans, uh, you know, yeah. was, you know, you'd come in and I'd say, I want a loan. It's, I would say, I've got three kids in private school and whatever. And they'd say, what do you spend? And I'd say, oh, it's about three grand a month. And, uh, yeah, they would have said, okay. 
Um, then they introduced this thing called household expenditure measure, which I just had a bit of a rant about. Now they're talking about looking at people's line-by-line expenses when assessing loans. Yeah. And they also assess loans based on you you know, having to pay an interest rate, which is you know so much higher than what the current rate is. Uh, from what I hear, it's assessing your capacity based on interest rates of 7 or 8%, which seems insane. So how are people going to be able to borrow that much money? And if they can't borrow much, surely that significantly affects the bank's profits. Okay, here's how it goes, I think. There has been very rapid growth in home loans over the last 20 years or so, mm-hmm. which has all sorts of implications everywhere, but leaving that to one side. That has fueled the tremendous growth in bank profits for most of the last 20 years. That's been a big driver of it, hasn't it? Yes, those days are over. Yeah. You know, everyone you speak with say banks are going to have very low profit, profit growth. I completely agree with them. Mm. I think they'll squeeze out 1% a year, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. And that's yeah. much lower than the 7s and 8s they, they've had in the past. Yeah. And a lot of that is a direct blow-on from much lower growth in home loans. But home loans are still growing at about 4 or 5% a year. Mm. And if the economy is growing at that rate, you would think they'll grow at that rate. I think they may grow a little slower than that. But, but the way that they grow, I mean, and I know we're moving into residential property and everything. The, part of the reason why they grow is when, pro- when property goes up, people have got to borrow more. So the, the rising property market has also fueled higher lending and higher profits. The whole thing, the whole thing is kind of all together. Absolutely. The two are absolutely linked, totally linked. And we'll talk mm. about that when we get into resi property later on. I think the cause and effect is when interest rates fall, the interest rate they assess you at falls, mm. and therefore they'll give you more money. That's right. Once everybody gets more money, guess what happens? Prices go up. That's we'll right. We'll talk about this a bit more later on. Mm. So, but that that particular game is over, and the rate they're assessing at, I think, is seven and a quarter now, and that's unlikely to change anytime soon. Mm. So. We're going to see much slower growth in home loans. Yeah. Uh, and I think what happens over time is new loans might grow at a reasonable rate, but people will start paying off their existing loans. And That's so right. the overall composition of their loan book will start to grow quite slowly, I think. Mm. So that means very low profit growth for the banks. Yeah. But not necessarily profit second, falls? but not necessarily a profit fall, probably just low growth. Mm-hmm. The second piece of it is currently, and I don't see this will change by much, if at all, is their dividends are pretty stable. Mm-hmm. I think over time they also grow very, very slowly. Yep. There may be some reductions from time to time, but we've seen through this latest round of, of profit indication, dividends have been held stable. Mm-hmm. And at the current dividend yield, as it is today, counting franking credits, you're picking up a 10% yield on average across the four majors. Yeah. So if we get zero growth for the next few years and markets continue to pay 11 times for earnings, which is, I think, a very cheap level. Which is where we're at at the moment. We're at the moment. Mm. Uh, 
we get 10% return on our on our, on our investment. Now, where mm. else are we getting 10%? Now, I think mm. it's more likely that earnings will grow about 1%. And I think there'll come a time when people look at a 10% yield and say, that's really, really cheap. Mm. Particularly when the banks have got the Royal Commission behind them. Yeah. They'll have seen to have cleaned up their act. And people will go, actually, this is still a pretty good business. Mm. They have got, they've cleaned out some of the areas that are potentially causing them trouble. And you're now left with this really safe homeland business. Mm. Albeit slow growth. example of how, sorry? Albeit, you know, slow to anemic growth. It's just very profitable. That's Mm. the thing for them. Mm. Now, the question then people say, well, what about their losses? The losses on their on their lending business overall are very low. That mm-hmm. will d- certainly creep up over time, but that's their commercial loan book that's going to be an issue. But on their home loan book, which is the bulk of their book, right now across the country, they lose 0.02% per annum on average on their loans. Yeah. So if, if you've got a loan of four and it's costing them, maybe it all ends up three or something like that to fund it. It means they get a 1% profit on your home loan. Mm-hmm. And that's before their losses. After their losses, they get 0.98%. Mm. So the question is, how high can losses go? Right. And we've got a, a fantastic live stress test going at the moment, which is called Western Australia. Mm-hmm. In Western Australia... Prof, uh, housing prices have fallen about 13% top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Unemployment's gone up dramatically as the mining boom has ended. And bank losses have gone up. But they've gone up from 0.02 to 0.04%. Mm. So their loans in West Australia, instead of making 0.98, are making 0.96. Mm. Mm. And that's an 11% property price fall. Yeah. So... What that says is, which is coming into the second part of the discussion, will be down the track is saying, well, how far can property prices fall? And what impact might that have on banks' profits? And what I'll say to you is, unless those property prices fall a lot more than 11, 12, 14, 15%, the answer is going to be not very much at all. Mm. Well, let's talk about that. Let's move into the property prices because, you know, we see a lot of statistics bandied about every week in the paper. They're saying, you know, it's a 40, 50% clearance rate that's dropping. It's the lowest clearance rates it's been in 20-plus years, you know. And then they, they, they throw out different percentages of what the market's fallen, you know, anywhere between 5 and 10%. I mean, is there any way of actually gauge, you know, any way of gauging what a true figure is or is it just week-to-week, you know, kind of garbage that we get fed? I, I think if you're really interested in the numbers, the core logic RP data numbers, Mm. are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, They, from what I understand about how they go through their processes, is the best way of getting a gauge on it. So, for example, a lot of places just use median house prices. Mm -hmm. Now, that means if a lot more houses sell in a rich area than a poor area, all of a sudden median house prices go up, and that Mm -hmm. kind of doesn't make sense. So they look at area by area, they look at three-bedroom versus three-bedroom houses, mm, two-bedroom units yeah, versus two-bedroom yeah. units, and come up with the best gauge. Now, it, I'm sure it's not perfect, but I think it's pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, and, um, and that, that information is available on their website, and I'm just looking at it right now, 
and it says Sydney over the last year to the end of October prices down by 7.3%. Mm-hmm. Melbourne is 4.7%. Mm-hmm. And on average around the five capital cities is 4.9%. And so that's... And I suspect that's reasonably close. Right. So that, that represents a full... You know, was there falls before the last 12 months or was it, was that sort of the I think, peak? I think there was. I think there was. Yeah, so from uh, its peak it might be I, I don't, a little bit... I don't, yeah. I don't have the data in front of me, but I, I'm guessing that, you know, maybe since the top it, it's 0.7, oh, 7% down or something like that. 7% in Sydney. So the question is... Yeah, oh, no, I, I think maybe 7% nationally. Now, a lot yeah. of that comes from Sydney, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question then comes, well, how far can this go? given all the negative sentiment in the market. Mm. Now, my way of thinking about what drives property prices is, you know, what drives the price of anything? It's demand and supply. That's right. Now, what we've had in particularly Sydney, Melbourne, for the last 15 or 20 years is very high levels of migration. Uh, And so obviously population growth. And we have not seen anything like the same level of increase in the number of dwellings. So the building levels have been way too low, which creates a shortage. Now, typically what happens in a market when you've got a shortage of supply versus demand is prices go up until new supply comes on to meet demand and then prices level out. That's right. The trouble with housing is it takes a long time to build a house build a block of units. You know, it's two mm. years, three years, and it, it, the, the level of building, while it's been very high, simply has not kept up with demand. Well, you think even now? Uh, there'd be a lot of people that I would argue the, argue the opposite of what you're saying, Tim. A lot of people would say that oh, we've, got, we've got big supply, there's still a lot of supply coming in the next year or two, and the market's going to be flooded with apartments. Mm. That's it, what a lot of... And, and, and really the, difficult yeah. to, it's difficult to get a handle on that. The best mm. handle I can get on it and it's numbers I look at regularly, is what is the vacancy rate on rental properties? Mm. Now, currently, I, I think about 25 3% represents a fully uh, left market. And that's we're below that, now. we're in shortage, mm. and we're below that at the moment. We're below 2 or 3% and nationally, what, even including all the yeah. recently built apartments. Everywhere. Well, the thing about it is a lot of those aren't let. Mm. And there's an interesting argument whether if I, as an investor, buy a property with no intention of anyone living in it, is that actually supply into the market or not? Mm. I'm not sure that it is. Well, why do people do now, that? For, I, I am told it's foreign investors mm. who like new things and don't want to put a person into it because... It no longer becomes a new apartment the day mm. you've got someone in there. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Mm. But that's anecdotally what you hear. So if all that stuff, all those apartments came onto the market, then I think you potentially have an issue. There, there also appears to be a two-tiered market in the unit area where there's a bunch of stuff that has been built for investors, mm-hmm. and I'll call them non-discerning investors, and they're low-quality. I think if you're owning one of those, you've got big problems. Mm. Yeah. On the other hand, the really high-quality developers who are known for producing really high-quality products, my understanding is that level of unit is really standing up well in the market. Mm. 
But once again, we come back to the thing about the banks and the lending. I mean, you're talking about demand Absolutely. and supply for buildings, but 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 availability of credit and interest rates is a massive input in this it's, equation as it's well. Critical. Isn't it? I, 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 for mine, it's just about all of it. Because here, here's the way I think about it. What is it? It's when you've got an excess of demand over supply, prices will go up until demand gets until the two come into balance. Mm-hmm. But supply is never caught up, and so continually people are going out and looking. You know, if you go out and look to buy something, you come back after the first day, and it's depressing. There's nothing out there. there. There's, there's n- there's nothing out there in your mm. price range for, mm. for what you want. So you go back and you say, well, we're going to buy the least worst house we can. And part of that equation is how much are the banks going to give me? Now, when you go to the bank, what they do is they look at your income, less your expenses, and that's part of the equation we'll come to. And they say, well, at today's interest rate, this is what they used to do, at today's interest rate, say, we're going to add on 2% to that. Yeah. And so we're going to assess you at a 6% rate so you can handle a 2% rate increase. They then say, okay, based on your income, that means we'll lend you, call it a million dollars. If interest rates fall, the next time you go back, it might be instead of assessing you on 6, they'll assess you on 5, which means instead of giving you a million dollars, they're prepared to give you 1.2. And when that happens, guess what happens? Everybody in the market's got 1.2 instead of a million. Prices go up. It takes a little while, but it goes up 20%. That's right. I've tracked, I've tracked for many years the level of housing prices compared to bank lending standards, how much they will give you. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The two track really closely. That's right. So That's no what's surprise. happened recently, the APRA came out to the banks and said, you can't go below 7.25 anymore. That's so what you've got to assess that. If interest rates go to zero, yeah. you've still got to use 7.25. Okay. So falling interest rates no longer affect housing prices mm. very much uh, because the banks will give you the same amount of money. Hmm. And right. interest rates can't go up. They have to go up a lot before you get past that 7.25. Right, I see. So again, we've become much less sensitive to interest rate increases. Right, right. Interesting. But the other side of the equation is the one you referred to before. Back in the old days, a year ago, you'd go in there and you'd say, what are my expenses? And they'd say to you, well, you know, they'd ask you what your expenses are. And if, if you went through a mortgage broker, they would say, well, I'm, you know, you might say I'm spending $100,000 a year or 50000 a year. And they'd say, well, on that 100000 how much of it is discretionary? Mm. So your golf club membership fees, don't put those in. Yeah. All your sporting things, don't put those in. Entertainment, yeah. eating out, don't put those in. Because they assume, and I think it's a good assumption, that in the event you come under pressure, those things will all go. You yeah. pay your housing loan first. So I don't think the way the banks have been doing it is bad. Mm. And the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Because their loss ratios are so low. Delinquency ratios are so low. Well, that's exactly what I was bang. That's sorry to interrupt, but that's exactly what I was banging about in Ruben's rant. That they had this this you know household expenditure measure, right, which they put in a few years ago, which is the basis that they used for spending, right. Then they've changed yep. it now, and they're saying no, we want to know line by line. But but as you say, I don't know. I don't know. There's been any evidence 
that that previous you know used version of household expenditure measure has really led to terrible outcomes sure there's been you know there've been individual outcomes where people have borrowed too much and gone under but i don't think that there's been as i agree with you i don't think there's been a widespread problem i think you're absolutely right and what they're reacting to is the royal commission mm. have invited anyone who feels aggrieved to come along <laughs> and yeah and out of that, APRA is saying, well, no, you have to tighten up. Mm. So they're now tightening up for everybody on the basis of a few isolated examples. Yeah. So now, if an identical person goes along looking for a loan, they will probably get less money than they would have got a year ago. That's right. And I think that's exactly what's driving the downturn at this stage. Yeah. And, and in the same way, constantly getting more money as interest rates fell, was driving prices up, now we're seeing the reverse. So the question is, and it's not an easy question to answer, is how much tighter have the lending standards got? Um, mm. I have seen estimates saying it's anywhere between 10 and 20%. Mm. So a year ago, if you fronted up and said, here are my circumstances, they might have given you a million. Today, it's somewhere between 900000 and 800000 Right. So that's, is that exactly what you'd expect the property market to fall by? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Well, it, 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 and it does depend a little bit on how long it takes. So, mm. for example, if it was going to fall by 20%, but it was going to take four years to do it, then it's reasonable to expect that your earning capacity will go up by a couple percent a year. Mm. So we can take that 8% of four years off the 20 Yeah. So you say 12% fall. But it looks like that tightening has happened like all in quickly one one go, really, hasn't it? Yes. Like, like and, a, and it just takes a while to work through the mm. system. But the question I don't is, think it's worked through the system yet. Mm. And the question is, so is my can it get? Guess is, sorry. And the question is, can my, it get? My guess you is go. we've got another five percent downturn. Mm. Maybe seven percent. So overall, we end up nationally prices down twelve or fourteen percent. Mm. Uh, and I think that's a probably about it yeah and really it's only probably taking prices back to where they were i don't know 18 months ago or so exactly Mm. and 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 the other piece about which is circling back to the banks oh so the banks and their west australian experience a 12 to 14 percent fall basically doubles lending losses but the impact on their profits is absolutely minute but um, where they will have a big sorry, God. Well, I was just going to say, right, in terms of the tightening of the lending centre, so they've done a lot in one go, right? So you're saying that that's to a large extent, be, you know, being a cause and will be a cause of a fall that you predict between twelve and fourteen percent. But what if they tighten the lending standards even more? Then the prices will go down further. Mm. And do you think that's a that's a possibility? In this environment, is absolutely possible. Mm. Uh, I, I think. At some point, APRA will become spooked by when they, they know the linkages. Mm. And when they see prices going more than 10%, I think they lose all appetite for any further tightening, particularly as the banks will be going back to them and saying, look, we've tightened up. Look at our lending losses. They are minimal. The amount of damage we're causing people is minor. We have tightened up our activities at the edges, which is the stuff you heard about in the Royal Commission. We shouldn't be punishing the majority. Mm. 
And I suspect APRA will be spooked because the last thing they want to see is a 25 30% fall in property prices, mm. which might put the banks under some sort of pressure. Yeah. So you think it'll, it'll reach its, log, you know, its logical end and you think it, it's probably gone, well, you couldn't say all the way, but a large portion of the way? I, I suspect there, if there any more tightening, will be at the margins. Mm. And I suspect at one point APRA is going to have to sit down and go, OK, what we want to cut out is the really egregious activity around the edges, mm. which is probably a half quarter less percent of all loans. Yeah. But let's not affect the, the, the central part of their activity. Mm. So that, that's kind of where I feel. And, you know, if, if that works out that way, the impact on the banks is going to be absolutely minor. Mm. Yeah. Where the, will the banks potentially do see an impact is on developers. And, and there's some very interesting things happening in that market. Uh, I'm sure you, you, you would hear this as well, but, but the feedback I'm getting is. People buying properties off the plan at the moment, activity has almost come to a complete halt. Mm. Yeah. And so all of those developers who have got their building approvals up and are now about to go out and start marketing their properties cannot get the financing until they've sold 80%. Mm. They are really going to struggle to sell their 80%. And so the, these projects will remain holes in the ground. Mm. And they'll go broke. It, it will depend um, on how they finance themselves. Uh, it, it will depend on a bunch of stuff. Mm. Yeah. So that, uh, that's a potential uh, problem spot for the banks. It, 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 it's a problem for the developers rather than the banks. Mm. The banks but as well. But the other piece money. about that, the other piece about that is where that flows through is into the economy, where if you take that development activity out, that will slow the Australian economy somewhat. Mm, mm. So there's an issue there. Um, and how long that goes on for, it's very hard to tell. The development activity has continued on way longer than I thought it would have done. Mm. Uh, but it, I, I suspect from here it really does genuinely tend to slow. Yeah. The really high-quality developers will still get projects up. I, I believe Harry Triggerboff has slowed down his development mm. activities. Um, well, if he, if he doesn't is, sell them, he just holds them. He's happy to just hold. I don't that's know, right. <laughs> a few I thousand he's apartments. More than he wants to at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that starts to correct in, in, some of the issues in that supply, which is already tight, is about to become a whole bunch tighter. And because of the long lead times, you know, who knows? Back in three or four years' time, but, you know, people might be scrambling to buy things again. Mm, so it may, it, yeah, it may not be. Permit. Just on, the, I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but obviously uh, lending, you know, for ha for residential lending is important, but also small business lending, you know, is important yeah. as well, and they're kind of linked because small businesses often use yeah. their homes, and that's obviously tightening a lot as well. But yeah. what what I am absolutely don't understand is, and I haven't followed this that closely, but there was some announcement about the government providing a whole lot of funding for, I don't know, for the smaller banks or, or for their own bank or something to yeah. lend money to small businesses. I, I can't understand why, on the one hand, they're turning... APRA's turning the screws on the banks in terms of how they can lend money, <laughs> and then, on the other hand, somehow the government's pumping billions of dollars to lend the money. 
I just don't yes. get it. If, if everything government did was sensible, I think we'd all be much better off. Do you know much about that scheme? No, I, I heard about it. Yeah. I assume it won't get off the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, every time governments try to do these things, it ends badly. But it's a nice sound bite. Mm. Got the Royal Commission going on. They say, oh, we're going to set up this good lending thing. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. I, I suspect if it does happen, it won't end well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the banks aren't bad at this sort of stuff. Well, that's the thing. They're not bad. And, and you know, you've got obviously a whole lot of these, uh, you know, and, and, and I suppose we could touch on this with the property development. I know you've written about this as well. Yeah. You've got a whole lot of non-bank lenders now coming in. I think we're seeing yeah. that in two places. Number one, we're seeing it in these sort of online, smaller, you know, lenders. After yeah. things like Afterpay, and you've got a number in, in small business as well. Uh, the names just escaped me. There's one called Mauler, but what's the what's the biggest one? I can't remember. In the small business, oh, um, there's a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch of them. And, and that, yeah, and they tap into your zero or mile books, and you know, approve a loan in about you know point one three of a second. Um, so they're coming in, charging obviously a lot higher rates. And then on the other hand, you've got also these, uh, if developers aren't getting money from the banks, they're going to um, these sort of smaller investment bank type things where we're getting private money yes, that's funding yes. it. So we're seeing huge growth in those markets, aren't we? Yes, and I suspect that area, which is absolutely not without risk, as everybody mm. knows, is actually a pretty good investment. Mm. Yeah, I saw you wrong about that. With the, bank step, with the banks stepping out of that market, the rates that people are having to borrow at are going up. Mm. And if you really know what you're doing, and not everybody does, mm. it's actually hard to lose money on that one. So, for example, if you said to a developer came to you and said, well, we've got this property, will you lend on it? You go, yes. But you don't get any of the money till you've sold 80% of your units off the plan. Mm. And they then have to go away and do that. Now, if they can't do that, you're not committing the money. Right. Let's, if they get that done, now the money, the funds start to flow. And the critical part about that, and the good, the good lenders know how to do this, is to really monitor the, pro, the project process, uh, the mm. progress. And, and the banks do this as well with their lending, is if the pro is really getting into trouble or falling behind, they've got the ability to sack the developer, put in their own builders to finish it off. Mm. And they just take over the project. Um, yeah. you know, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but, but as long as you can keep your costs in reasonable shape, mm. you, end up, you, and know, if you end up lending 50, 60% of the value of the property. Mm. Mm. And there's actually quite a few of those around our community here in Melbourne, a few... Um, a few businesses like that. There's a Wingate and a Qualitas, and they do that sort of thing. Yeah. So if they're, it, it, you know, if they're smart, which they probably are, they can get reasonable returns for for relatively low risk. But you know, the Absolutely. ones that, that aren't good, you know, will do their dough, won't they? Potentially, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 you know, there'll be people who make money even who aren't good. <laughs> yeah. But the, it, the, Assessing the quality of the operator who is doing that is, I think, is going to be fundamental. Mm. But I think with the good operators, I think that's a good investment for part of your portfolio. Mm. And when you say they're relatively low risk, 
it does mean in, it's important to say relative to what. Mm. I think the returns you're going to get out of those tend to be around the sevens and eights and nines or something of that nature, mm. which is equivalent to equities. And I think they're lower risk than investing in equities. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, but and then the but, they're, put, yeah. but they're not lower risk compared to investing in TD. So yeah, that's right. It, it, that's right. It's keeping light with life. It's saying yeah. yes, you are taking risk on these, but I think the risks are lower than equities, and the returns are equivalent. Mm. But it's still uh, it still should form part of the risky part of your portfolio. And I guess the same Correct. the Correct. same thing applies in being diversified, right? So you don't want to lend to just yes. one of these things. You'd rather go into a, a yes. pool that lends to a number of them. And then you know your, your your broad assumptions can play out on a on a well diversified you know portfolio, but it, yeah. but, it but it can't necessarily on a single one, can it? Just like it can on a single and, stock. And, yes. and I would only take the diversification as far as I was really really comfortable with the quality of the operator. Right. Yeah, you don't diversify so I'd rather the garbage. Have three, yeah, three really good operators who I'm very confident about. I think is lower risk. The four or five, when the two on the other, I'm, I think they're probably okay, but I don't really know. Mm. And what is time you can diversify yourself into risk rather than the way? Yeah. And, and do you have a view about any of those sort of online new wave of online lenders or the afterpays or or those sorts of things? Uh, I, I haven't looked at them really closely. Mm. I, I know a couple of them, but I certainly haven't looked at them closely enough to say, are they good or they're not? Mm. Yeah. And, and Tim, so just before we wrap up, I mean, obviously, you know, share markets are having a getting hit pretty hard, and I know, I know yeah. that you were, you know, you 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 always say that these sorts of fallbacks are completely expected and inevitable. Yeah. Um, yes. But do you have any sort of comments as to as to why what's happened has happened and? You know, there's always you know there's always uncertainty, but 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 it, of course now everyone's saying there's more uncertainty than what there has been in the past. I mean, would you would you agree with that, or uh, or is it or is it always uncertain? I, I got in. The, I started working the same. So this is incredible, even to me. But in 1976, mm. and every year I've been in the markets, I've heard the majority of market commentators saying. I can never remember a time that was more difficult than this, yeah. Yeah. or more uncertain. Yeah. And on occasions when they don't say that, we've normally got a calamity around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's my view on the market, exactly as you said, is I think there's a twenty percent downturn around the corner at all times. Mm. It, we, and the more you can't see it coming, the more likely it's going to happen because it's it's things that the market can't see happening that upset them. Mm. The things that are predictable in a front, in advance, guess what? The market's taken them into account. Mm. But what's happened, I mean, has there and been the, something now that's been, the market's down 10% on it, has been something now that's been unpredictable that's hit us or, or not? Here, here the two surprises appear to be, one, the US Federal Reserve has showing a willingness or, a, a, yeah, a willingness to lift interest rates a little bit further than people were thinking. Mm-hmm. So that makes them nervous, particularly in the United States. And the second piece seems to be the recent indications that the tech stocks, Apple and so on, are going to have much weaker earnings going ahead than people anticipated. Mm, yeah. Because, 
And because the market were anticipating such stellar earning growth going ahead for them, mm. when that all of a sudden doesn't mean that's a, a dramatic impact, the sentiment flows on elsewhere, the US market's down. And I don't think it's terribly logical, but because the US is down, everyone else says we've got to go mm. down as well. But uh, one thing I, I, I do... I think, one thing I have noticed in your reading as well, um, Tim, is that you, you feel there's uncertainty or risk in emerging markets is higher than it's been for a while. Why, why do you see that? Yeah. Uh, it's really the issue around Chinese growth. Mm. And the issue I've, that has concerned me is corporate levels. Of, a lot of the growth has been financed by uh, corporate debt. Mm-hmm. And the corporate debt has gone up to a level where they're going to have real difficulty meeting their interest bills. Mm. In China? And I'm, I've been worried about in China how that was... Chinese companies, how they were going to pay their interest bills. I've become a little less concerned about that. And uh, and this is particularly just over the last couple of months. I think the Chinese are managing their transition uh, better than I'd anticipated. Mm. And I, I, I'm becoming less concerned about that. Yeah. And the nice part is emerging market companies have got a whole lot cheaper recently. Mm. And so the outlook for emerging markets is, is better than I've thought about it for a while. I still have concerns just about the sheer level of debt in China, mm. but they seem to be managing it quite well. Yeah. Okay, Tim. Look, thanks very much for the chat. Uh, it's been really Please enlightening for me, at least, anyway, hopefully for our listeners as well. And... Uh, as you, I appreciate you coming on at short notice, and of course, I will call you on, a, call on you again soon. Okay, excellent. Thanks, Ruben. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Alrighty, well, that pretty much wraps up the show for today. Uh, if you're enjoying the show and you want to hear our previous episodes, search us, The Finance Hour, on iTunes, or go to my website, adaptwealth.com.au uh, forward slash podcast. Or you can also find the podcast on the JA website as well. Otherwise, uh, enjoy your week and we will see you again next week.